and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys, and welcome to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. And today we have deckhand Nick Tokman. Nick, how are you today? Good, yourself? Good, good. Uh, let's just start in the beginning. Well, first, we have Jesse here, too. Jesse Roach, you guys remember him from the previous episode. He uh, set up all these East Coast interviews for us, and he's sitting here with us today. Jesse, how are you? Great, and uh, Nick is actually the one who got me into commercial fishing in the first place. He's the one who, when I was working in radio, he believed in me to go out and go out west and work, and he got me started with the whole thing. Excellent. So, so Jesse will be sitting there with us, and... Uh, so Nick, uh, where were you born, and, and how, what was your first introduction into commercial fishing? Uh, I was, uh, well, I grew up in West Springfield, Mass, but uh, to be straight with you, it was, I just saw Deadliest Catch, and that's how I, I just looked like fun, and I wanted to try it, and the goal wasn't for me to go, like, on the show, it was just for me to go crab fishing, or just even just to try and see what it was all about. It was kind of like down out in college, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to change, and yeah, I just went up and did it. So how, what do you mean just went up and did it? Hey, well, got I, on a bus and went over to Seattle or a plane or what'd you do? Well, I was at first, I just looked into it. I, I went online and I was looking about summer jobs. And I remember, you know, just watching Deadliest Catchers fishing popped up in my head. And I then I just went on these websites where there were, you know, postings for deckhand jobs available. Called all these phone numbers, but no one would hire me on the spot. Um, there were a few guys that were like on the fence of hiring me, but basically I had to show up and do it. So I just had research of, I could go to, you know, for the summer I could go to Bristol Bay, you know, Kodiak were a couple of main options. And then I picked Kodiak because there was more variety, like Bristol Bay is just all gill netting. And, you know, if you want to go tendering or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I decided I, uh, yeah, I just picked on Kodiak because they had all this variety. So I just went there and, uh. Yeah, um, bought a plane ticket up there, and yeah, I just, I didn't even have a tent or anything. I bought a tent there. There's a woman that helped me out, and I started setting up, walking the docks and everything, and, you know, for quite a while, I didn't, I heard a lot of no's and everything, and uh, eventually something came, you know, I worked on the crap boats and then worked my way up and everything. Well, what was the first thing that came up? You're walking the docks, you're homeless, obviously, living in a, in a tent in yeah. Kodiak. Yeah, uh... What was the first? So the first, I think it was like, I, I literally got in, it was the second day I got on one boat. Uh, I don't know if I should put the name, well, I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, but this one boat I, I was going on and I just could tell, uh, main advice was don't get on a boat that's in rough shape and don't get on a boat without signing a contract. And I, you know, I was just going to try it out and the guy, I don't know, it just something looked a little, you know, weird. And I went on the boat, kind of didn't look like it was in good shape. And right when we were going just to the cannery from the other, you know, from the harbor, uh, it stalled right in the middle because I think someone put water in the fuel tank and fuel in the water tank or something like that. We we're trying to figure that out or something. So I left that boat. That was one boat I left. So it didn't even make it to the cannery. Uh, it made it Morning. eventually, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be working on this boat. Uh, next guy was just you know, some druggie that couldn't stop screaming his head off. Um, and then I got on this other boat and he was a nice guy. Uh, uh, 
I just, I wasn't used to like, I, fishermen talk a little differently than, you know, compared to how you're, you know, just on, you know, reg, at a regular job. And I wasn't used to anybody talking to me that way. And, uh, about like maybe a two weeks later, I mouthed off, you know, to my boss. And of course I got fired and rightfully so. And I uh, bought me a plane ticket back and then I had to walk the docks again. Um, where, where were you when you got fired? I mean, so you started in Kodiak and... Well, I was doing seining. So we were in uh, Larson Bay. Okay. And then, uh, and then I got a plane ticket back to the mainland, started walking the docks again. A couple weeks later, I got on another boat, but then I got a staph infection on my knee. Uh, spent a week in the hospital. I lost my job. And then it turns out the guy that replaced me had a seal bomb thrown in his bunk. Um, so it just blew up a chunk of his stomach, sending him to the hospital, um, you know, him, you know, he went to jail and the, you know, the boat got seized up by the Coast Guard, I guess, from that. Um, Who threw that seal bomb? Do you know? I forget the guy's name. But I mean, it was, it was just a crew member? It was a captain. It was a captain. But okay. people thought he was a, he had a screw loose. I okay. didn't know, I, I didn't know I was working for this guy or anything. It turns out when I went on to work, I worked with, uh, uh Bill Prout hip on the silver spray. And one of the deckhands, uh, his attorney, one of his clients was the guy, it was just a small world, it was funny that one of his clients was the guy that got his like stomach blown up from the guy throwing a seal bomb at him, it was just, and he was going to court with him about it, it was just kind of interesting that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I could have been that guy, and instead I got a staph infection, so kind of had my luck there. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, so was the, was the, the ocean spray the next boat then, or? No, no, that was, that was like years later. So I did, I, so my first year just hopped on, you know, boats, uh, you know, trying to find any good boat. I made my, my big break probably a week and a half before the close of the salmon season. I, I made like about $2,600 in seining. And then after that, I went on to try pot cod and it was my first time I ever did a job like that. I failed. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do the, I couldn't do the job. What part? What part could you not do? I just wasn't used to working like, like working like that. Uh, I, I think looking. I mean, like, like fourth day, like I was doing everything. I was just, I was just the bait guy, and I was also the stack man because you know, in pot cod, you're on a three man deck. Um, but yeah, I just, I never worked like a twenty hour day like that. You know, pushing, you know, like eight hundred pound pots. Uh, but I was so focused on the job that I neglected drinking and eating, like even like a whatever, a Snickers bar or something. Um, so they were literally feeding me energy drinks just to sustain me. But when I had an energy drink, I was fine, back to normal. But then just the fourth day, you know, boat rocking and rolling, I just was bawling my eyes out. Like I wanted to go, but just physically my body was slowing down. I couldn't keep up. And that was kind of like a, uh, I didn't feel really good about myself you know I kind of I kind of put a ding on my self-esteem and uh, you know it kind of really hurt me I thought I, you know I just I said to myself I was I did my best at it and uh, yeah and I was just gonna call it quits and then met another uh, guy uh, Steve Russell and I fished halibut with him and yeah he you know he basically gave me the confidence that I could do the job and you know just kept at it and yeah so I worked with him Following summer, I, I worked over in Bristol Bay gill netting. Uh, after that summer, I went back to work for Steve because I didn't know he wanted to hire me again. And so I went with him. Steve? 
Russell okay, right, for, for yeah. halibut, but he also did seining too. So we did seining and halibut, and then and then after that, I was thinking about going crab fishing to test it up again. And then that's when I worked with Bill on the silver spray, and that was that was about uh, three three years later that mm-hmm. I got onto. So how did that how did that go this this time? For for crab fishing? Yeah. Oh well, I I made it after that. I was fine. Like I was really pushing myself to see if I could do it. I was just working out, just staying up long hours. Actually, before I was, before I was, uh, before I went up there, I was actually living in Vegas with poker players, and we were just staying up long nights. And yeah, we were just working out. But I had a long list of all the crab boats that were. That were you know still fishing and I called every single one of them hardly anybody would give me the time of day to talk to me I think there was uh, I mean anybody in the crab fishing community would know it was I think Chevy Dave was a guy that uh, called me back and and it was a hip that called me back and he didn't have a job for me but he just heard from references that I was a good worker so he said if I went up there looking for work I could use him as a reference so I went up there and Without a job. Without a job. To Dutch. To Dutch. Oh, no, to, to Kodiak. It was to Kodiak. Uh, I was nervous, but B- Bill basically said, you know, you, you know, you're young, you can take risks. You know, if it's five grand, it puts you back, so what, you just jump back up and do it again. Um, so I just, he kind of convinced, talked me into doing it. When I got up there, I, Bill picked me up, and because he was, he he was I was gonna you know I was he was gonna use I was gonna use him as put put him down as a reference. Um, I offered to work for on his boat for free, and just to kind of show him I was grateful. And so I just you know I would get up in the morning work, and it turns out that there was this other guy there that got the job because he was related to somebody, and uh, I, he didn't really have any place to be on a on a boat. He didn't know I don't I think it was first time out there or something, mm-hmm. and people were yelling at him. And, and like he was, you know, slowing down. I'm like, this is my shot. And it was just like, <laughs> I need a job. So I was working and, and, uh, and he's like, wow. He's like, Hey kid, it could be your lucky day, you know? And, and, uh, and then like, I worked for him for free for three, four days and I just doing gear work and he, you know, he took a liking to me and he gave me a, gave me a job, you know, half, you know, half share of course, but you got to work your way up and. Yeah, that's that's how I got. So when you were there this time, were you living in a tent or were you staying on the boat? I was staying on the boat, but because I was working sure. with them and everything, and yeah, uh, so you got your shot. I got my shot. That I was very lucky. I was very fortunate. Yeah. Let's hear how that shot went, huh? Let's hear how the shot went. Oh, it went well. No, after that, it was good. Um, my first time, no, it was just first trip out. I mean, the weather was a lot crazier than just doing pot cod like local, you know, on a 58-footer or whatever. Uh, but no, uh, I did okay. I, I did fine. Uh, I, like, they were, people were actually uh, impressed. They were like, you did a good job, Nick. You know, like, you, I didn't, I was proud of myself, like, but I kind of pushed myself to do it. Like, I just really wanted to do the job, and and I was just, you know, I made sure that I was going to do it. And there were a couple, like, times where nights because we were working like around the clock and um, I don't know it was weird like we like one day we were just working like Pat you know you know how it is like working 30 hours or whatever and I was just I was just tired and I was like just 
find it. And then I just had this like big rush of energy. I didn't know where I got it from. It was like a second wind. I was just like going nuts. I didn't know where it was coming from. And uh, I was really proud of myself. I was happy and you yeah. know that I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the season, were you still half share? Uh, at the end, uh, Bill bumped me up to a three quarter. So, you know, he thought I did good. And, and, and so I was fortunate for that. And okay. yeah, you know, he gave me three quarter and, um, yeah, I just did, ex- you know, I just learned the stack and, you know, throw the hook a little bit or whatever. And, you know, and that was it. Uh, yeah. So where'd you go what, from there? From there, uh, I got fired because I made an honest mistake. I uh, put water in the fuel tank. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds a little familiar. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, so I no, I messed up. It was an honest mistake. Uh, I mean, basically, uh, I went up there. It was for king crab season. We were getting the boat ready. I was with my deck boss, and he just told me to you know put water in the freshwater tank. I said, okay, I was on the phone with my buddy, talked about a lobster steak dinner, and um, brought the hose up, and fuel sides, like right next, the fuel and the water tank are like right next to each other. Um, They're labeled, but it's like in black paint, like welded, so I was just, I wasn't paying attention. I went downstairs to go get the pipe wrench. I put the water hose right next to the water tank. When I went up, you know, because I put the water, you know, the, the hose where the water tank was, I opened it up, popped it in, but the thing was the hose slid back, and I put it in the fuel tank, and I didn't know about how it. How much water went in there? I don't know. I don't know how much water, but all I know there, like I was, I was, I was, I was taking a shower, and I went up, and I just saw an overflow. I'm like, that can't be, like you know, like, and I was like, oh no, like then I realized that I put water in the fuel tank, and then there was a sheen, and I was just, you know, I fessed up to it, and before the engines were started. You went and reported it, and yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, if you reported it before, I mean, nothing would happen. I mean, they could, you know, they could do something about it. They can just use fuel from another tank or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was an honest mistake, and uh, you know, Bill kind of felt pretty bad about you know firing me, and um, but uh, he said he wouldn't say anything bad about me, so I just kept walking the docks again, and uh, yeah, and then I. Basically got my shot on, uh, so I was just, I was asking around for jobs, and I remember uh, actually Sig offered me a job for Blue King Crab one time when I met him at a bar earlier back, and so uh, you know I went up to see if there was something available, and there wasn't. At the time they weren't sure, and then I went to do um, someone got injured on a Brown King Crab job as just so I just served as a temporary fill-in did that for a couple of weeks and then the guy took his spot and then it was just so ironic that when I finished the Brown King crab that um, some the Northwestern was looking for a crew member so I just hopped on there and that's yeah what about the the milk story milk the, with, with Sig where oh did yeah tell us about that uh, so while I was working for Bill I while I was working for Bill our crew, our crew members were out at the bar, and you know he, he was just talking to them, and I was just kind of just looking at him, and you know he looks over at me, he goes, "You've been looking at me the entire night. Why? Who who is this? This Sig is Sig. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I said I just wanted to make sure you were who you were, and then he goes, "Well, that's smart. Do you want to arm wrestle?" 
I lose. And then a couple days later, he sees me at the bar again. Waitress comes over from from the bar and he goes, this is from Sig. He thinks you're a pussy, so drink up. And then... Uh, it was a glass of milk? Yeah, and then... So, so, no, 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 no. It was a virgin Bloody Mary. And then, uh, so I sent him over a glass of milk and uh, and he asked me, does this come from your mother's tit? And I go, no, but here's to your osteoporosis. And, and then he comes over and shakes my hand and, and he started talking to me, he took a liking to me. He apparently actually offered me a job for tendering, but I turned it down because I was working with Bill at the time. And yeah, and that's how it happened. Okay, but then that was before you actually got on the boat as a crew member. That was before, yeah. Okay, yeah. so now you're on the boat as a crew member. How, how did that progress for you? On the Northwestern? Sure. Uh, Crew was great. Uh, it was just it was just for Blue King. It, it, originally, it was just for Blue King Crab, uh, but it was kind of a weird moment. I mean, because it was just really weird. You know, like I was going through a lot. Like you know, you know, I was you know homeless for a little bit. You know, I, uh, I. Yeah, I mean, I was just going through a rough time, um, you know, having, you know, with, you know, the jobs and everything, getting fired, like I thought my career was over, and just after a while, just something went right, because you see that boat that got you on TV, and it was just kind of ironic that you're on that boat, it was just very weird, I couldn't explain it, and yeah, uh, it felt really good, I, I was crying, bawling my eyes out one day, I just couldn't believe it was real, it was just like, you know, it was kind of... I don't know, I'm a spiritual person, so uh, there's a book that I, you know, when I give to students, it's The Alchemist, and in the last passage I got, it's actually the first book I read when going up to Alaska, was when a person really desires something, uh, all the universe conspires to help that person realize his dream. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks down when I was on that boat. That there's kind of a circle there. Yeah. From watching TV in Massachusetts to working on deck. Yeah, that was, that was just very interesting. How, how long did you serve on the Northwestern? So... I, it turned out that uh, I was just going to be there for Blue King Crab, but then Jake uh, Anderson, uh, he went on to another boat, the Kiska Sea, to try to be a captain. So they liked me. They asked me if I wanted to, you know, they offered me a job to go up again, you know, on the boat. So I was on there. I was on there uh, for, for Blue King Crab and Opie's and tendering, but then Jake wanted his spot back. And so, you know, Jake got his spot, and then, but, you know, Sig was nice. He put me on with the Hillstrand brothers and the Time Bandit, and then, uh, and then I guess Jake got his shot as a captain or whatever, and so, you know, then I just went with him, with Jake on the saga for the next two years, and yeah, that was my stint with fishing, yeah. And after that, you came back home? Yeah, I, well, after two years, I... I, when I was on the time bandit, I started speaking in my off season, uh, just to get on, just just as my what kind of way of giving back. I just wanted to do it. Uh, I originally, originally I was doing it to prevent the students from ending up like my friends, and more I more I got into it. Why I was so passionate about it is because growing up I always questioned my self worth, and I feel that's why a lot of students veer off track you know they try to be good enough for their peers their classmates or their family so 
Um, if my job is if I can redirect a student's attention back on them so they can figure out who they are and what they want, then I've done my job. And, <clears throat> so let's touch on yeah. that a little bit. I, I, <clears throat> I expected it to come up but later on in the interview. Yeah. So you're, you're out working King Crab. Yeah. You're on TV. Yeah. And in the off-season, you decided to become a, uh, a speaker, a uh, yeah. inspirational Motiv- speaker, essentially. I guess, yeah. I mean... I just I just was doing it as just like a kind of like a fun thing to do. I mean, I just did it in my high school and then um, and then my old high school and they liked it and and so then I was like, wow, I really like this and I this is you know I'm just doing what like you know my heart tells me to do. Like if if I want to go fishing, I go fishing. I and I personally think fishing was a way to for me to find myself to see what I was capable of as a person. Um, you know, and who the heck knows how long I'll be doing speaking, but I'm just, just doing what I'm supposed to do right now or what I'm... And, uh, no, it just was fun. I mean, I got a great kick out of it. People, like, felt, I felt like I was making a difference with them, and I just kept doing it just as a hobby, but then the more I liked it, and people were coming up to me. I'm like, wow, I'd really love to do this, but I couldn't do both. And, I, you know, because of testing and everything, and when I get back in time coordinating with schools, it'd be a pain in the ass, so... Uh, I just made a conscious decision to leave and do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've been doing since and still successfully doing it. Yeah, it, it's been a grind. It's been a lot of work. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been getting better with it. Uh, I just, I'm kind of learning everything, how things go. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, people think that you're just a speaker. You, you know, people call you and your phone rings off the hook and that's clearly not the case. It's you got to work at it and so I mean I'm kind of work the only reason why I think I'm successful at it is because I got a good work ethic being a fisherman and I'm just you know doing the best learning as I go so instead of you know learning what to do on deck instead I'm learning sales I'm learning marketing I'm learning you know how to do things more efficiently or so that that's the only reason probably why I'm I'm doing well at it and also because I'm passionate about it so yeah well I mean just from the way that you got to Alaska by challenging yourself and uh, and doing it without, I, I would I would guess hardly any money, as you bought a tent and slept outside in Kodiak, yeah. Alaska, and uh, to overcome all of that, and and back to where you you're you're working on a boat that you had seen on TV, it's kind of I get for a lot of guys, for a lot of kids even, it would be a dream full circle. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's how a lot of us on the East Coast kind of found our way into that if we did you know is because we saw it on tv because we didn't really know that about that opportunity back east you know like you've spoke with muncie same thing he's like oh i could do that you know uh and i think that's how a lot of us east coast guys kind of had to get into it if we were going to go out west and whether it be washington or alaska you know was what we saw on tv you know other than that we had no idea what was going on out west and you guys remember jesse's jesse's the uh 41-year-old greenhorn. <laughs> <laughs> the consummate greenhorn, yes. Not anymore, but he was the 41-year-old yeah. greenhorn. So, uh, Nick, um, many years up there then, uh, do you remember the first time you were scared? I know that it had to be getting into Kodiak, homeless, and with yeah. no job, but do you remember the first time on a boat that you were scared? Don't let it be the water in the tank going to the No, camera. no, 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 no. Uh, what was it? Uh, when was I... Actually, the 
the first time I really got scared. Like I was thrilled when it was bad weather and everything. I was like happy. I got excited. Um, I remember one of the deckhands goes, uh, see kid, you should be scared right now, but the only problem is you're too stupid. <laughs> and then of course, eventually I learned, uh, but I was on, it was when I was on the silver spray and, uh, it was probably blown about 55, 60. We had boatload of crab, full, full tanks. We had all, a lot of our gear cause we were moving it over. And we were going one mile an hour towards like, you know, one knot, like St. Paul. And we were taking on ice and getting top heavy. And we had to go out on deck and, you know, take some, you know, beat ice and get the pots off. And uh, one time, oh, the hydraulic guy lost control of the sorting table because we put it on top of the stack and it just started moving around. I thought it was going to hit me or like, you know, the cable was going to snap or something. So I was considering jumping in the tote with the, in, with the cod and everything. That was like my first time I was like kind of scared. There's a lot of moving parts on that deck. Yeah. And you put ice on it in cold weather yeah. and, oh, and cold spray. Yeah. Everything affects it. Yeah. Everything affects it. Did you ever have a slow down moment? Slow down. Well, something's happening and you can see it happening. And it's actually happening quick. Mm -hmm. But in your mind, it's just coming slow. Hmm. I don't think... Odd question, I know. Uh, I, I, I haven't... And you normally think about it after it's happened. It's like, that just right. happened. And I mean, I guess like, you know, if you're in a pinch, like the reaction time, your reaction time just like, like heightens quickly. Uh, I remember one time, you know, when you're new, you're learning your bites, quote unquote. And uh, one time I was just trying to pick up a crab and I knew it and there was the chute and then there was the table and I almost got pinched between but then the hydraulic guy saw me. I was like I was like trying to get out but yeah. Uh, I think that maybe like a time like that mm -hmm. that just comes to mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. What was the most challenging part for you? It's all mental. Uh, I, I would say I mean it was just I mean it's a hard job. I mean it's just you know it's a grind. So, I mean, you know, the sleep deprivation along with doing the physical labor and, you know, when I, you know, when I was on the, when I was on the silver spray, uh, you know, my muscles were hurting because I mean, it was sore. I was doing the same repetitive motions over and over again, you know, throwing the cot, you know, the bait up into the pot, you know, your shoulder hurts and everything and your sword grab, pushing crab and, uh, and it's cold out. So your joints are, you know, probably a little worse. Um, but it was, it was, I think it was just the mental, the mental grind was what it was. Um, Do you see yourself going back? Now, as of right now, no. I don't, maybe I could. I I would like to buy a Bristol Bay boat, potentially, so that I can teach my kids how to work, give them a good work ethic. That I could see. Um, and I like Bristol Bay. It was a very fun fishery. It was just fast-paced, go, go, go. But I think it would be great to bond with my family and with my kids and, teach, again, you know, just teach them a good work ethic so it can prepare them. Whatever they decide to do, whether it's fishing or, you know, whatever it is in life, I think it's a, you know, I think, you know, having a good work ethic definitely helps you. Who was your mentor growing up? Because somebody had to have given you the courage to go to Kodiak to begin with. I mean, you don't, you don't just decide that. It's something in your upbringing, I think, or isn't it? 
it was like I wasn't scared to to go up there. Uh, I mean, I'm more of like a free spirit person. I mean, but like my mom, she's just she's you know she always says like you can do. She had the mentality of you can do whatever you put your mind to. She never had any limits of thinking realistically or anything like that. So I just thought, hey, what the heck? But why I went up? Um, well, my mom, I guess to answer your question, is, is one of my role. You know, she's probably one of my role models. And but for but for going up there, the, like the inspiration or the motivation to go up there was I had my friends Marie and Phil that were kind of just pushing me, kind of encouraging me to go up there. And then I read this one book. It was the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. This was the last straw that pushed me up there. There were five questions that I was asking myself, and I remember I had the answers. It was one was what is the worst that can happen if you did what you considered? List your doubts, fears, what ifs that pop up. Um, what are the steps you can take to bring things back under control if things did not go your way? Uh, what are the outcomes and benefits of more probable scenarios? And uh, what is it costing you physically, mentally to not take action? And what are you waiting for? You know, measure your cost of not taking action. I wrote all those answers down. And I realized that the absolute worst did happen. I could handle it, but I would feel more bad about myself if I didn't do it. And just constantly looking back at my life and asking myself, "What if?" And that was the reason. I was like, you know what? You only, as of right now, you only know you only got one shot in life. Uh, this is something I want to do, and that's why. That's that's what pushed me to go up there. Do some of these uh, lessons learned, obviously, when you started speaking, I, I imagine you draw a lot on these experiences yeah. when you're speaking. What what portion of what you gained from fishing do you use currently today to inspire and, and lead children or your students? From fishing lessons? Yeah. One is when I failed at it for the first time and when I tried to you know go up at it, you know, I tried to go up at it again. One lesson I learned is failure is not going to kill you or break you. It's what you do after that matters. Um, when I turned down, you know, a job with SIG going tendering, uh, I I learned to not forget the people who took the time to invest in you and give you your shot because uh, I feel that they deserve your respect. And if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be where you're at. Uh, Brian Cheladinas, he taught me the full share mentality that when you're on a boat, you're not just an employee or a part owner. Do whatever you can to make the operation smoother. So you taking ownership. Yeah, um, those are those are some of the some of the really important lessons. And what do you focus on, on in what you do today? What's your primary focus? What do you mean, like? Well, um, when you're when you're going to go speak to a class, how yeah. are you approaching that class? What what are, what are you trying to give them to gain from you? Oh, okay. Um, I guess it just comes out to three, I mean, three core principles is one is tuning out from the all the outside influences that, you know, maybe tell you're not good enough or that you can't do something and to tune into yourself and to focus on what you want. That I think is most important. Um, being your own source of approval. Uh, second is to go after what you want. And uh, the last component is just to push past the fears, doubts, obstacles, what others might think. Uh, my title is Become Your Captain, Catch Your Future. No pun intended. So, but, so, so the C is involved. Yeah, exactly. But no, um, but yeah, I mean, those are the three core principles at, at a life. It's just, you know, make sure you're doing, you're living your life as true to yourself as, as best you can and doing what you want to do. 
So what advice would you have for young guys? You probably have better advice than most because you just jumped up and did it. Right. What advice would you have from, from someone else watching the TV show, any TV show, or even just being influenced that they want to go do something like this? What advice would you give them knowing what you know now? Like if they if someone wanted to go fishing, just, yeah. Make sure you know what you're getting into before signing up for it. That's what I would say. So, like, I mean, person would ask me all the time. You know, you hear when I got on the show or something, you have people messaging you, "Hey, I would love to get a job." This and that. Occasionally, I'd talk to someone, but. It's just, you know, I said, well, listen, I'm just going to shoot you straight. You're, you know, you're working. When they say you're working 20 hours a day, you know, every day sometimes, that's the case. When you're, you know, you're going to be lack of sleep. You're going to be miserable and this and that. You're going to have people yelling at you, screaming at you. Just give them every single, like, know what you're getting into and then asking yourself, do you still want this? And if you know that, then yeah. But, um, Would you do it again? Absolutely, 130%. Absolutely. I, I think, no, I, I for me, because I was I was seeing it more as a challenge to see what I was capable of than to push myself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, well, back then I just didn't really, I mean, I mean, I guess I can go into it, but, I mean, growing up, like, my dad wasn't around as much as I wanted him to be, so there was something lacking in me, like I had to prove something. And maybe it was proving it to myself that I was worth something, and that's probably what I got out of fishing it I would and do you think that's directed you to do what you do now is that you had you had in your own mind a sense of less self-worth that you had you built yourself back up because someone else wasn't doing it is that why you direct your energies that way now to, to speaking yeah yeah I would say that yeah I just I just don't want I just want to make sure I, I you know a lot of students don't feel good enough and it's because you know like for me, I was never like the cool kid in high school or anything like that. And it's just your difference. So you have a different which, which is really odd, guys, because he, he looks like he's 25 years old, <laughs> um, striking blue eyes, blonde hair flowing, and he looks really fit. In fact, right above his table here is an exercise thing that you pull across your <laughs> the top of a doorway. Yeah. So And he was cooking eggplant when I got here. <laughs> so... <laughs> You'll see a picture of him when this when this loads and posts. But yeah, Nick, uh, what what else would you like to say to anybody listening? I mean, I mean, this is a fishing podcast, so if you're thinking about uh, about doing it, or I guess just try something. I mean, uh, you only get one shot at life. Just live it up and take risks, take chances, go for it. What was your funnest time? Most fun? Yeah, most fun. Probably besides the milk thing, because that had to be kind of fun. I think it was... Ooh, that's a great question. <clears throat> most fun I had. Justin, if you're listening to this, get me my freaking tape. <laughs> <clears throat> so, we were on the boat on Silver Spray. This is one of my fun times. I remember this vividly. There's not a lot to do. I just got makeup and put, I dressed up like the Joker. And I don't know why, just, just for kicks, just for fun. 
and there was a lot of ice around, you know, on the, you know, around the water, and we had to, we were kind of moving our, relocating our gear, and, and, and Bill looks at me, he goes, you belong in a circus, and he goes, we need to get you on an iceberg, or like, you know, on a piece of ice, so they crane me off, and put me on, on a little, you know, on just a sheet of ice, and I was just standing there, they were taking pictures and everything, and I freaking wish I had that picture, I've been asking him that for years, and he never gave it to me, I wanted that, and that was, that, that was probably one of the most fun times I've had out Did there. they pull away at all? I that, think as a joke, yeah, as a joke, but I was just like, they're gonna come back, dude. Or, you know, but no. But I no. think uh, I think Casey McManus has the a very similar story without the Joker makeup. Okay. But I think if it was Casey, I can't remember if it was Casey yeah. that was left on the ice, or if he was on. The, he was definitely on the boat. Yeah. But I mean, they were like legit, legit acting like they were leaving, leaving. You know, oh, okay. Like, you know, but kept him in eye, you know, eye shot and everything, but. Yeah, I think well next time Casey's on we'll have to ask him about that because that's, that's okay. a reminder. Okay. So uh, Jesse, do you got anything you'd like to ask him before we Well you asked earlier, what would you say to someone? You know, and um, as I said in my interview, you know, I had Josh Harris, you know, on and, and he didn't believe it. He was like, Well, you know, some people can't really handle it in the summertime in Alaska. So I kinda took the wind out of my sails, you know, the made me think it was tough. But when Nick came on, because I of course I had a fishing show, which I got Nick on, and um, and, he, and we got to know each other a little bit too. But Nick actually believed that I could do it. You know, he, he he's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. So, and, and Cole's mad at you for this, by the way. Why? He's like, so he puts me on a screamer highliner boat. My first experience with this guy puts more crab on the boat than a lot of crab. We're talking Dungeness. And um, big California, but I war I warned you. He, he was warn screwed. I did warn you. Yeah. but and and it was great for me because it it gave, it set the pace for commercial fishing for everything. Like a one one season on Patty's boat and every other boat, you're like, really, this is it? And um, yeah, so I was fortunate that Nick believed that I could do it. But then put me on a real, real test of a boat. I mean, th this guy is infamous for going through, you know, going through crew. And it's not because he's a bad captain. It's because they couldn't deal with it. And like Nick was saying, mentally, I was, as you know, 41 years old. and Greenhorn. Yeah, Greenhorn. Yeah. And, and I, I survived two whole crews um, on the boats. And they were in their young 20s. And they were strong. They were strong and fast and full of piss and vinegar. But it was the mental challenge that they didn't overcome and, and, and the yelling. And I tried telling these kids, like, look, don't listen to the tone of the voice. Listen to the words. The words are what matter here. And you, there'll be a lot less yelling if you listen to the words. Yeah. And don't make him yell again. And they instead were kind of defiant. Like, who's this guy I think he is? Oh, I, and, and they weren't on the boat very long. And, uh, but yeah, Nick, Nick, um, you know, gave me the confidence, uh, coming from sports fishing, kayak fishing and, and to get into the commercial industry. And I didn't go in toes first, man. He threw me in neck deep and, and it worked out well. And, and here I am today still at it. So, you know, there, there's my testimonial. There it is. <laughs> yeah. There it is right there. Yeah. There it is. Uh, so Nick, one more time, the title of your, 
title of your program? Uh, Become Your Captain, Catch Your Future. Uh, you can find it at nicktokman.com. But uh, what that's, it? that's Nick, N-I-C-K-T-O-K-M-A-N.com. Yeah. Wait, what was that? I wanted to say something. What the heck? You, you just... Yeah, I mean, I it, it, it doesn't matter about physical size, you know, to do the job. It's just about all about heart. If if you want it, I think you'll succeed at it. And that's just the that's just the end factor. For, well, you you guys both mentioned Muncie. Muncie's from out here. Muncie is not a big man. No, but he he's aggressive. Yeah, he's hardworking. He moves quick. You just have to want it. It's just a, like an Jesse's anything. not a big guy. No. And yesterday we were in six foot seas, uh, in a forty two foot boat. Yeah. And he didn't hold on to anything. He's standing on the deck. He's got all of his legs, water crashing over the top of the house. It's great. Yeah, I enjoy the energy of the ocean. You know, yeah, it's nice to be in it, and you know, not a lot of people get to. So I was holding onto the the crane. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it, like in anything. It doesn't matter if fishing. It's just if I think if you succeed, it, if you if you want to succeed at it, you just you got to have the heart to want it. Yeah. That's it. So if these guys go to your website, they're going to find where to find you, how to get in touch with you, yeah. what some of the things you're about. Yeah. All right, great. So you guys heard that there. Uh, this has been another installment of Galley Stories. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Galley Stories as well. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Nick. Ron and Jesse. Let's get some ice cream. <laughs>